Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain. And I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams and this is episode number 11 of Red Pill Revolution. And thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited to talk about this topic today. We've had some really interesting things happen over the last week um, that we're going to dive into as far as current events go first. But after that, we're going to talk about something that's even even relevant today, even though it happened hundreds of years ago, which is the Salem witch trials. All right. But to start us off today and to get us to that point, we are going to first discuss some other really interesting topics. The first of them being something that pertains to the Jeffrey Epstein case and Ghislaine Maxwell case. I guess there's not much of a Jeffrey Epstein case anymore. Um, that one kind of died off. If you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but um, what we're going to talk about today first is going to be the unsealed Epstein documents that have to do with um, Jeffrey Epstein actually paying off um, one of the individuals, Virginia Gruff, um, and the fact that Prince Andrew was actually found to be in those documents and there was some possible implications to what was released. So we'll talk about that first, then we're going to talk about uh, some interesting information that came up and some an, an interesting topic of late, which is mass formation psychosis. If you haven't heard about this, this is something that came up recently on the Joe Rogan podcast, where he had Dr. Robert Malone, the creator of the mRNA vaccine technology onto his podcast, and he brought up some really interesting points. And then that's going to take us all the way home to the Salem Witch Trials, um, which I know a lot about. I just actually researched it a, a little bit ago, um, a few months back, and I've been dying to talk about this topic. So I'm really interested in, well, really, yeah, I'm really interested to talk about this. I have, it's something I'm, I'm, uh, I've, I've dove into quite deeply. So without further ado, welcome to the revolution. But before we talk about all that, you know the drill. Let's go and smash that subscribe button. I'd appreciate it so much. Um, if you'd enjoy my content, whether it's on Instagram, um, we just joined Gitter, um, which is a Twitter alternative. Um, and uh, if you enjoy our content there, you're going to enjoy our content on our Substack. Um, go ahead and join our Substack as well. On top of hitting that subscribe button right now, redpillrevolution.substack.com. Every single week, we release a podcast companion. 
and it's going to have all of the related articles, all of the related videos, um, and documents that we discuss throughout the actual podcast itself, and it will include the, the video version. Um, if you're only listening here on Apple Podcasts, listening on Spotify, wherever you're listening to this right now, you can actually watch the podcast too. So we do have a YouTube channel. We also have a Rumble, which lags behind about uh, an episode or two, but the YouTube is up to date. I'm going to have the Rumble up to date um, as, as I remind myself just saying that. Um, so go ahead and watch the video. Go subscribe to our Red Pill Revolution substack, redpillrevolution.substack.com. If you would like to support the podcast, it is $7 for the paid newsletter, and we include um, some really interesting long-form writing topics that I write out for you guys on top of the free podcast companion as well as our Ghislaine Maxwell and Epstein updates that go on as information comes out. Um, on top of that, we also have some merchandise. We have our Misinformation Mafia sweaters, t-shirts that are still in, um, and some other cool things. You can check those out at redpillrevolution.co. That's all I got. Let's go ahead and dive into it. And to start today, the very first topic, like we talked about, was going to be the releasing of information um, regarding Jeffrey Epstein and Virginia Garuff, which pertains to and is relevant today because the judge blocked several attempts by Prince Andrew himself um, to try to not release this information. Um, so he tried several times to get the judge to keep these documents sealed, and the judge said, go screw yourself and release them anyways. Um, so let's watch this video right here, which will give us a little bit of insight. Now, to, just to let you guys know, for some reason I use The Hill. I don't have any bias. I don't listen to any news myself. Um, but from what I've heard, The Hill is fairly good at giving both sides of the opinion, both sides of the spectrum as far as politics go. So if you have a better option, let me know. The Hill is just something that I've stumbled across that's not Fox, that's not CNN, that gives a little bit more centrist um, opinion. So um, so here we go. This week, is, it says, by Kim Iverson, it says, unsealed Epstein documents might actually let Prince Andrew off the hook. So let's, let's see what she has to say about this. So Virginia Jufre, who is one of the victims of Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking ring, is attempting to sue Prince Andrew in a New York court. But it's hit a snag. So for a refresher, Virginia, who is now 38, alleges that when she was a teenager, Glenn Maxwell recruited her while she was working at Trump's Mar-a-Lago to be one of Epstein's girls. So from 2000 to 2002, Virginia says she was shuffled between Epstein's residences in Palm Beach, Florida, and New York, where she says she was instructed to have sexual encounters with a variety of Epstein's associates. And Virginia named names. She says that she was instructed to have sex with hedge fund manager Glenn Dubin, attorney Alan Dershowitz, former New, York, uh, New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson, the late MIT scientist Marvin Minsky, lawyer George Mitchell, modeling agent Jean-Luc Brunel, and British royal Prince Andrew. So if you remember, there is this notorious photograph of a teenage Virginia Dufresne with the prince's arm around her waist. So no criminal charges have been filed against Prince Andrew. Maybe the statute of limitations have passed. Maybe the DA doesn't think there's enough evidence. Maybe he's too powerful to go after. Whatever the reason, Prince Andrew isn't currently facing criminal charges. However, Virginia is attempting to sue him civilly in court. So remember, O.J. Simpson was found not guilty in a criminal court, but he was found liable in a civil court. So that is what Virginia is attempting with the prince. Now for the snag. 
So yesterday, Prince Andrew's legal team, in an effort to stop the lawsuit from going forward, was able to get some old court documents unsealed. And what we've learned from these now unsealed documents is that back in 2009, Virginia sued Jeffrey Epstein and was awarded $500,000. Part of the settlement included language that released any other Epstein defendants from civil liability. So Prince Andrew's attorneys are arguing that this means Virginia cannot sue him. So today in court, a New York judge will hopefully decide if this is the case. But it's tricky because the language has some wiggle room. It specifically reads, quote, for an for and in consideration of the sum of $500,000, hereby remise, release, acquit, satisfy, and forever discharge the said second parties and any other person or entity who could have been included as a potential defendant from all and all manner of action and actions of Virginia Roberts, which was her name at the time, including state or federal. So it says it discharges the said second parties, and that would be the ones named in the suit. But it also says any other person or entity who could have been included as a potential defendant. So it'll be up to the judge if Prince Andrew, who isn't specifically named in the 2009 suit, qualifies as a potential defendant who could have been included in that 2009 suit after all. So Virginia's lawyers are going to first try and argue that Prince Andrew would not have been included in the previous suit. And I'm sure they're going to come up with all sorts of arguments as to why. But another angle her attorneys are expected to argue is in regards to where suits can be filed. So in her 2009 settlement, it says Virginia forever discharges potential defendants from future liability, state or federal. The argument will come down to the interpretation of state. The 2009 lawsuit was filed in Florida. So does the phrase state or federal only mean Florida and federal, Florida being the state, or does it mean any state and federal? Because you notice that the S is not there, states and federal, just a state and federal. So there's a little argument there. And I'm sure her, her lawyers are likely going to argue that it was only for Florida and cases involving Florida. So this lawsuit today is regarding actions in New York, which is why uh, they'll argue that it should still go forward. But ultimately, it will be up to the judge on whether or not this previous settlement releases Prince Andrew from any sort of suit brought forward by Virginia Giuffre. If the judge decides the previous settlement does, in fact, include Prince Andrew, then he's off the hook. All right. So what she just said there was basically that um, due to this being a civil case and not um, otherwise, it is subject to the earlier lawsuit that she had against Epstein, in which she agreed to the idea that for $500,000, she would never legally be able to go after any of the third parties relating to the case including Prince Andrew. And something that I didn't like that she said there was, well, maybe he's too powerful. Nobody, nobody, whether it's the president of the United States, which seems like a real possibility as being a pedophile from the information that we've seen from Ashley Biden's uh, journal, um, or Prince Andrew or the Queen of England herself. Nobody is above being persecuted for crimes against children. Nobody should ever be above against persecution for crimes against children, regardless of your place in a corporation, regardless of your place in a royal family, regardless of anything 
any amount of money you have, any past lawsuits. If you violated a child, you should go to jail for the rest of your life, if not worse. So, secondary point, I guess. The primary point here, and, and interesting information here, is well, the thing that they're trying to argue is that because it's the original suit was filed in Florida, and the suit that she is filing now, based on where these things actually happened, is in New York, that the quote-unquote state statutes that were relevant were the Florida state statutes, not the New York state statutes. And then it not being a federal case, because they're not going after him federally. They're going after him in the court of New York. So she says that we're going to find that out today. I didn't see any additional information on that. Look for an update next week or on our Substack if more information comes out. I am going to be releasing more information regarding the ongoing. So it's like not like the Ghislaine Maxwell case is over. She's guilty and it's done. She still needs to go through sentencing, which is something that I for didn't mention earlier to this. So now it's up to the judge to decide how much actual time we get. We know what the actual maximums are and the potential sentencing that she could get is up to 65 years. But what we don't know is what the actual judge is going to give her or if she's going to try at this point to name names and get a lowered sentence. So that's all still to be determined. So Make sure you're following the Substack. We're going to still be putting out consistent information there for you guys um, regarding Jeffrey Epstein, regarding Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, the podcast companion, and any other interesting information, articles, videos, whatever. Just get on the Substack. It's, it's going to be really awesome. Um, and I think you'll thoroughly enjoy the information. If you enjoy the podcast, you're going to enjoy the Substack because it just has all the information pertaining to what we talk about just in long in more depth. Um, I sit down and I think those th things through and I write them out. So um, definitely check that out and follow along because we'll be putting out the information as we find it out here regarding Prince Andrew as well. Um, now, again, I, I don't think anybody's above being prosecuted for child pedophilia um, or rape in this case with Prince Andrew. Now, it seems to me that the royal family has obviously been distancing themselves from Prince Andrew for a while, for obvious reasons. Um, but, you know, in this case, it seems to be the fact that he, because everybody knows this, everybody knows that Prince Andrew did these things to these children. Everybody accepts it. Nobody argues against it. There's never been a single article that you see that's like, no, Prince Andrew did not do these things. I don't know why it was a robot article, but, um, but you'll never see that. You, there's no argument. Nobody's saying he didn't do these things. Not a single person is making that argument. The only argument they're saying is, well, try me, try to come after me and see what happens. So, Hopefully, we're going to find out that I'm correct, which is that the fact that nobody is above being prosecuted for crimes against children. Time will tell, right? Um, and time will tell if the royal family will swing a big enough stick to stop people from persecuting him or enough money or enough legal uh, entanglements. And I'm sure they will have all of the resources in the world to get him out of this. Um, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. Now, the next thing we're going to talk about here is a little video that I made recently. Um, today, actually, I posted it. And it's regarding the first topic um, that we're going to go into today, which is a little bit more recent than the last topic or the, the following topic or the topic that follows that. <laughs> um, so the, what we're going to look at here is, is a discussion about mass formation psychosis. And, and it's going to be a little bit of a clip by clip information from that Joe Rogan podcast. And then we're going to go ahead and actually read the full Substack information of the article that was put out by Dr. Robert Malone regarding 
um, mass formation psychosis. And then we're going to look at some of the actual psychological implications and who has kind of called these things out in the past. Um, one of them being a very famous psychologist, Carl Jung. Um, also, I should correct myself. Um, I was saying Virginia's name completely wrong. Uh, it is not Garuff. It is Jufre or Gufre or Gifre. <laughs> so my apologies, Virginia, if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, but yeah, saying her name wrong. Anyway, so let's go ahead and watch this video. This video right here, if you're going to follow along, I'll talk you through some of the things that you'll see in it. Um, as there's transitions, you're going to see first when he's talking, you're going to see some transitions into uh, some clips from Nazi Germany and uh, some actual, you know, rallies and things with Hitler. Then we're going to, you're going to see a little bit of some clips of today's news media, just so you can kind of visualize while you're watching it. And uh, here we And this is what has happened. European intellectual inquiry into what the heck happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s. You know, very intelligent, highly educated population, and they went barking mad. Um, and how did that happen? Um, the answer is mass formation psychosis. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other in a sense that things don't make sense, and then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, blizzard, just like hypnosis. Viral blizzard. Viral blizzard. Viral blizzard. They literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. Anybody who questions that narrative is to be immediately attacked. They are the other. And then this thing happened and everybody focused on it. That is how mass formation psychosis happens. And that is what's happened here. This is central to mass formation psychosis. Wow. So he makes a really, really interesting observation. And I feel like a lot of us have been kind of like feeling this without really being able to verbalize what's actually happening intelligently like he just did. Um, but, you know, he just explained what we're all feeling. It's been so weird. It's been so weird, you know, looking at everybody around us. I, I go to the supermarket or the supermarket. I don't even know if those exist anymore. I go to Kmart. Um, I go to the grocery store and literally everybody, you go to Target, you go to the mall, uh, you go any of those places right now and you're going to see almost, uh, at least where I'm at, um, you're almost, you're going to see a ton, like probably 85% of people are wearing a mask right now three almost almost three years into this pandemic and they're still wearing a piece of cloth over their face to try to protect themselves and we're seeing like another wave of stupidity at this point of people wearing masks in their cars i'm seeing people with gloves again i'm seeing people wearing masks in and around uh you know outside when they're jo it's 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 craziness and, and and it's so hard to try and comprehend like and have empathy for these people. You not have empathy, but like try and put yourself in their shoes or like try to reason rationally understand where they're coming from. Especially because 90% of these people that are doing it, or 75% at the very least, are vaccinated. Like you're literally a walking contradiction. So it's been really hard for me to like, and I have many friends, like it's not like my friends are only people who are unvaccinated. I have many friends who are on both sides of the, the vaccination belief spectrum, who are on both sides of the political spectrum here nor there. I don't care about that when it comes to friendship. Um, and, and I try to like rationally understand those points. And, and you know, I really do. I, I really try to not 
hold my personal biases in conversations because everybody's situation is different. I don't know my friend's complete medical status. I don't, you know, I, I don't know exactly what their family ties are. I don't, I don't know any of that. So I try to give the benefit of the doubt. But it's been very difficult at times to reason with some of the very unrational things that people are doing today. And it's hard to understand why they're doing them. And this gives a, a perfect explanation as to what's been happening in the psyche of these individuals who are, you know, wearing gloves in the car, putting a mask on, getting their fourth vaccination now because the other three didn't work and wearing a mask on top of it because they don't believe in the fourth one and then getting vaccinated again because they don't believe in the mask. It's, it's just all, it's very, uh, it's very difficult to wrap your head around. And so he explained it. And, and what he explained there is a thing called mass formation psychosis. And, and basically what he's doing is explaining a tactic that is used by governments and powerful corporations and entities to try to manipulate mass amounts of people into doing things that they wouldn't normally do given normal circumstances. So what he said that they do is the, the very first thing is to divide the public and 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 put them into a position where they barely know even what's going on around them cause chaos make them make them uneasy personally in their personal life right if you make people uneasy then a whole bunch of other things start to happen they, there's more anxiety there's there's more susceptibility to fear there's so so the very first step is division the second step is not after that division is making people uneasy and making people not be able to even really be able to fully comprehend things that are going on around them. Then the next step is to give a singular possible problem that needs to be solved that allows people to n not personally solve their issues, but to internalize this issue as being the one issue that could make everything better right? That could make life good again, right? Even though if you go back, these people's lives weren't good before this, but it allows them to attach to something. It allows them to feel a reason as to why their life is not great, as to why they feel this unsettledness, and to give them a common goal to allow them to put a target on something that will make them feel as if they are moving towards a better future, right? Because they're unhappy with their today. Um, <clears throat> And so in doing that, th that singular thing, and in, in, in a great example, and that's what he talks about within the podcast is Nazi Germany. And in, the, in that video started off by saying, you know, you asked a very, very good intellectual question of, not, you know, and I said this my last podcast, we said this the last week, is that we all talk about what happened. But what we don't discuss is how it got there. What was the escalation of events? What was the, what, what were the words that were said that, manipulated a very educated, a very intelligent, a very intellectual um, group of people in Germany. And he just explained it. Again, the first thing he did was cause division. The second thing he did was cause confusion. The third thing he did was give a singular target for people to focus their energy on. Then the next step of this mass formation psychosis is to make the masses believe there is a singular solution to said singular problem in your life. And again, if you solve this one problem, then every other issue in your life goes away according to this, this concept. So the biggest overarching problem right now we understand is COVID-19. 
That is the singular focus. Now, the divisiveness came far before that. And, and, and as I get further into this, and as I further understand this concept, it makes me believe that this play has been happening for at least four or five years. Because the only way to implement divisiveness, and divisiveness, something divisive enough to cause the, the public to literally divide families, divide friendships, and, and begin this hate war, <clears throat> excuse me, and begin this like war of, of information, in this war of, you know, what jersey do you wear? Do you wear Team Vise, Pfizer or do you wear Team Anti-Vax Idiot, right, is how they try to push this narrative. So so they, they he said it in there. They need to make a that, – that's the thing, right? Or what, what did this he say? is what has happened. You're – What did he say? Intellectual inquiry into what the heck happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s. You know, very intelligent, highly educated population. And they went barking mad. Um, and how did that happen? Um, the answer is mass formation psychosis. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other in a sense that things don't make sense, and then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, blizzard, just like hypnosis. Viral blizzard. Viral blizzard. Viral blizzard. They literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. Anybody who questions that narrative is to be immediately attacked. They are the other. And then this thing happened and everybody focused on it. That is how mass formation psychosis happens. So it's the other. So they made the other and you'll see this in literally any article, any video, anything that they, any information that's put out regarding the other begins by saying the other, literally calling somebody an anti-vaxxer, literally trying to de, um, D, uh, you know, trying to make you instill seeds of disbelief in that person and make them sound and look like an idiot, right? And, and just by starting the article with anti-vaxxer, not intelligent intellectual like Dr. Malone stating that who created the mRNA technology is an anti-vaxxer. No, he's not. He just understands it better than you do, has done more research than you have, and has made his own decision not to inject a experimental mRNA gene therapy into his body without any evidence to show that it's healthy or even effective, right? That doesn't make you anti-vaccine. That doesn't make you anti-vaxxer. That doesn't make you stupid. That makes that means you're making your own informed decision for yourself, for your family, for your children. But they want to make you the other, right? That's the whole point. So, you know, we're at the step where, you know, and this is what I was talking about before, is, is four to five years ago, they implemented, somebody was put into a position of power who was the one of the, if not the most divisive people in history as president of the United States. I don't even know if there's very much argument there. The most controversial and divisive president in history. Now, I'm not saying that's that was a bad thing, but... There was somebody put into office who is the singularly most divisive person in, in history of the presidential office, at least from my knowledge. And that led us to the possibility even of, of dividing the public in such a way that they would now, you know, 
be so hateful and be so burning with with hate and venom. Um, you know, it even started with the mask thing, right? But 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 to to start it, they it makes me think that it was almost on purpose that Donald Trump was put into office because within the very last months of his presidency, the most divisive presidency, this mass formation psychosis gets actually implemented and put into place within the very few last months. Then on top of that, the probably, if not 100%, the dumbest, most incapable president of all time, by far with Joe Biden, was put into office following the most divisive person. So if you wanted to like brew a perfect storm of events to allow this mass formation psychosis, what he just explained was step one was divisiveness. Step two was to, <clears throat> was to find a singular problem, right? Uh, um, was to cause that divisiveness, then cause confusion and chaos, then find a singular problem, then put somebody in a position to solve it. Now, the, in, in this case, it, in Nazi Germany, it was Adolf Hitler who was the one to solve it. He was the he was the guy. He was the person who everybody believed was going to save them. He was the savior. And obviously he wasn't. <clears throat> and now we believe that this vaccine technology, that these pharmaceutical big pharma companies are our savior. So step one, Donald Trump caused all the divisiveness. Step two, the coronavirus is released from the Wuhan lab towards the very, very end of his presidency. Step three was all of the chaos and implementation, um, or all the chaos ensuing and, and all this uneasiness surrounding that divisiveness, and then the singular problem being presented, and then the singular solution being presented, and then Joe Biden being in office by and put into place by the powers that be in the most corrupt election that I'm aware of that we've seen with all the litigation that's come out. Um, so he's put into this position where even it, the, the, the biggest problem that, you know, the powers that be could run into in, in implementing this power of action, this idea that they wanted to do that they, you know, had, uh, scenarios written out for years prior to this happening about a coronavirus type like event being released. Um, if they wanted to do that, it was the perfect storm to do so. And they had the perfect, perfect person in office. You know, if Joe Biden isn't the devil and he's just a blabbing idiot who has Alzheimer's and has been a career politician his entire life for 60 years and never done anything with it, even if that's just the case, and let's not attribute all malevolence to him because he's obviously being controlled. Um, if you wanted to control somebody who had the least ability to speak up or push back, like maybe John F. Kennedy did, um, why not put somebody with Alzheimer's who can barely finish a sentence without a teleprompter in front of him? So the more that we see this play out and the more that I'm reading about this mass formation psychosis, it looks like the more controlled this entire thing was from the very beginning. Just a theory. Um, but you know, do with that information what you will. <laughs> um, but just a thought, it, it really does seem like a, a very, um, a very planned idea to have to have all of these perfect things happen. You have to have that divisiveness with Donald Trump. Then you have to have that coronavirus leak towards the very end of his presidency. Then you have to have the vaccine come out right as he's leaving office. And then you have to have somebody come into office who's a blubbering idiot, blabbing idiot, who can barely finish a sentence on his own so that you can make sure there's no opposition in a position of power that can't be manipulated that can ruin your plans. 
Sounds like a uh, theory to me that could be very possible. <clears throat> is it? I don't know. But just an interesting theory that comes to mind with me with this mass formation psychosis is it has to be planned for it to work properly. And that's absolutely what's happened here is that a vast majority of the public has been hypnotized to believe that, you know, the other is the problem and the vaccine is the solution. So I'm going to go ahead and read this article written by Dr. Robert Malone himself on his Substack, um, which is, uh, let's see if I can, rwmalonemd.substack.com. And the article is, uh, is titled, Mass Formation Psychosis. We talked about this last week. Um, if you're using Google or you're using uh, Bray or uh, you're using Google or you're using Chrome um, or you're using Safari, you are wrong. Go to DuckDuckGo um, and use Brave Browser. And because Google was actually found to be actively, actively censoring this article off of their front pages. Um, so this mass formation psychosis was the very first thing to pop up for uh, for Google. And then after that YouTube or that uh, podcast came out with Joe Rogan, they censored everything that pertained to mass formation psychosis and especially um, censored out this Substack article itself. So you can find it if you go to DuckDuckGo and then type in, just type in mass formation psychosis and you will find it. All right. So here's the article written by Robert Malone, MD, titled Mass Formation Psychosis. And it starts by saying, as many of you know, I've spent time researching and speaking about mass psychosis theory. Most of what I have learned has come from Dr. Matthias Desmet, who realized that this form of mass hypnosis of the madness of crowds can account for the strange phenomenon of about 20 to 30% of the population in the Western world becoming entranced with the noble lies and dominant narrative concerning the safety and effectiveness of the genetic therapy, and both propagated and enforced by politicians, science bureaucrats, pharmaceutical companies, and legacy media. What one observes about the mass hypnosis is that a large fraction of the population is completely unable to process new scientific data and facts demonstrating that they have been misled about the effectiveness and adverse impacts of mandatory mask use, lockdowns, and genetic therapy that causes people's bodies to make large amounts of biologically active coronavirus spike protein. These hypothesized by the process are unable to recognize, or I'm sorry, these, these hypnotized by this process are unable to recognize the lies and misrepresentations they, they are being bombarded with on a daily basis and actively attack anyone who has temerity to share information with them which contradicts the propaganda that they have, be, they have come to embrace. And for those whose families and social networks have been torn apart by this process and who find that close relatives and friends have ghosted them because they question the officially endorsed truth and are actually following the scientific literature, this can be a source of deep anguish and sorrow and psychological pain. It is with those souls in mind that I included a discussion of the mass formation theory of Dr. Matthias Desmet during a recent talk I gave in Tampa, Florida to an audience of about 2,000 people. As I looked out into the audience and spoke, I could see relief of many faces and even tears running from the eyes of stoic men. 
unknown to me, someone recorded the speech and appended the vocal track to a series of calming images in natural landscapes, producing a video that has gone viral throughout the world. A link to the video as well as some notes to clarify and supplement the talk are appended below. Many have told me that they find it very healing. I hope that it helps you also. Okay, now I have the video here. I'm going to include this video on the Substack. It's 13 minutes long. I don't want to bore you guys with the video, um, but if you are interested in it, I will include it on this week's podcast companion. So um, definitely check that out. It's 13 minutes long, and it's a video by Dr. Malone himself discussing mass psychosis theory. A brief overview of mass formation, which was developed by Dr. Mateus Desmet. He is a psychologist and a statistician. He is at the University of Ghent in Belgium, and I think Dr. Matthias is onto something about what is happening, and he calls this phenomenon mass formation psychosis. So when he says mass formation, you can think of this as equivalent to crowd formation. One can think of this as crowd psychosis. The conditions to be set up mass form to set up mass formation psychosis include lack of social connectedness. Let's talk about social media. Right? Obviously, social media has caused a perfect, perfect position for this mass, um, this mass lack of social connectedness. So it says it includes lack of social connectedness and sense making, as well as a large amount of latent anxiety and passive aggression. When people are inundated with a narrative that presents a plausible object of anxiety, so a plausible object of anxiety and strategy for coping with it, object of anxiety being COVID. In strategy for coping with it being the vaccination, then many individuals together to battle the object with a collective singleness in mind. This allows people to stop focusing on their own problems, avoiding personal mental anguish. Instead, they focus all of their thought and all of their energy on this new object. And you saw that with with COVID a little bit. You you in, you saw that where people like almost got excited because something was happening, even when the lockdowns happened, even when they were told not to do something, even when they got to get new cutesy little prints on their masks. Every people got excited over this because they have a fucking boring, terrible life, and they're sick and tired of doing the same shit every day. And all of a sudden, Daddy Government comes to save the day by locking you down in your house, not letting you run your business, not letting you send your kids to school. They're excited about it because it's a change to the mental anguish and the problems that they faced themselves in their own life today, and allows them to have a common enemy that is outside of them to correct, right? So, as mass formation progresses, this is me continuing on the article, the group becomes increasingly bonded and connected. And we've seen people do this a ton, right? We see literally people getting Pfizer tattoos. Literally people saying they're team Pfizer. Like, how weird. Like, we've, why, are you, why would anybody want to wear the jersey of a big pharmaceutical company that has been sued into oblivion for mass um, human experimentation is beyond me. But we've seen it, right? The group becomes increasingly bonded and connected. Their field of attention is narrowed and they become unable to consider alternative points of view. Leaders of the movement are revered, unable to do no wrong. And in this case, let's compare it to Nazi Germany. That person was Adolf Hitler. That person is no longer a person. Nobody gives a fuck about Joe Biden. Nobody cares about Kamala Harris. 
they were just a Trojan horse. A Trojan horse for big pharmaceutical companies to come on in and mandate, mandate their product be forcefully injected into your body against your consent, your, your informed consent as according to the Nuremberg Code, right? And so their attention, their field of attention has gotten so narrowed and they've become unable to consider alternative points of view. Leaders of the movement, leaders of the movement in our case being Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson being the saviors of the day and also the evil fucking like terrible, worst companies in history to, to do this with. Anyways, leaders of the movement are revered and unable to do no wrong. Left unabated, a society under the spell of mass formation will support a totalitarian governance structure capable of otherwise unthinkable atrocities in order to maintain compliance. A note, mass formation is different from groupthink. There are easy ways to fix groupthink by just bringing in dissenting voices and making sure you give them platforms. So just by, you know, groupthink, if you can bring in intelligent intellectuals who will speak on these topics in an engaging way, in, in a platform that's large enough to spread it, then you can, you can move the needle back, right? But in our case, this isn't so easy with mass formation psychosis. Even when the narrative falls apart, cracks in the strategy clearly aren't solving the issue, the, or the hypnotized crowd cannot break free from the narrative. This is what appears to be happening now with COVID-19. The solution for those in control of the narrative is to produce bigger and bigger lies to prop up the solution. Like, hey, I know that you guys are still getting sick, but hey, maybe we should just take three more of my products and that will solve your issue, right? Maybe it's the mask that you're not wearing. Maybe we need to be seven feet apart instead of six feet apart. Those being controlled by mass formation no longer are able to reason or to use reason to break through free from the group narrative. Of course, the obvious example of mass formation in just Germany in the 1930s and 40s. How could the German people, who were so highly educated, very liberal in the classic sense, and Western pe thinking people, how could they go so crazy and do what they did to the Jews? How could this happen to a civilized people? A leader of mass formation movement will use the platform to continue to pump the group with new information to focus on. In the case of COVID-19, I like to use the term fear porn, he says. Leaders through mainstream media and government channels continuously feed the beast with more messaging that focus and further hypnotize their adherents. Like that time ticker on CNN that just kept telling you how many fucking people died who were overweight and had a fucking heart attack but called it a COVID death. They kept that ticker up there and Project Veritas actually came out with information regarding uh, the CNN um, journalists uh, basically saying that the reason that they did that was because when they took it off, their ratings went down. People weren't as scared. They weren't listening as close because they weren't as scared of this, you know, crazy, terrible uh, beast. It goes on to say that studies suggest that mass formation follows a general distribution. 30% of people are brainwashed, hypnotized, and indoctrinated by the group narrative. So like deeply indoctrinated and hypnotized. 40% of people in the middle are persuadable and may follow if no worthy alternative is perceived. So if they don't think masks are going to work and they're truly scared of COVID and they, you know, really have a reason to believe it, they can be manipulated and persuaded to go one side to the other. And then 30% of people fight against the narrative. That's me. That's hopefully you.
right? That the, the actively talking about this, even if you're vaccinated, if you're vaccinated and you're listening to this podcast, I commend you even more. Good for you to know that, you know, there's a difference between doing something that's right for you and then forcefully implementing that for other people, right? Because my decisions for me and my family can, in my medical status and history, it could be completely different than yours. And that's fine. And I get that, right? So, but just don't be on that 30% that's brainwashed and hypnotized and indoctrinated to believe that the government is or big pharma is your savior because they're not. Nobody's fucking coming for you. And the best thing that you can do is get healthy. The best thing that you can do is eat right. The best thing that you can do is supplement your food with the proper nutrients that your body needs like vitamin D, like vitamin B, like vitamin C, right? But nobody's talking about that because that's not the solution that they profit from, right? So those that rebel and fight against the narrative become the enemy of the brainwashed and are a primary target of aggression because it breaks their reality, right? It, it shreds the matrix for them. It makes them believe that they're not right. And now they identify it's their identity. They are team Pfizer. And if you're against Pfizer, you're against them. Weird, right? One of the best ways to counter mass formation, Dr. Malone goes on to say, is for those against the narrative to continue to speak out against it. Good news, because I'm here, which serves to help break the hypnosis of some in the brainwash group, as well as persuade the persuadable middle to choose reason over mindlessness. Dr. Desmet suggests that for something as big as COVID-19, the only way to break the mass formation psychosis is to give the crowd something bigger to focus on. He believes that totalitarianism may be that bigger issue. Of course, after COVID-19, global totalitarianism may be the biggest issue of our time. And I think that last part's important too. He talks about the, the only way to break mass formation psychosis is to give the crowd something bigger to focus on, a different singular focus to put their energy into. And in this case, you see the government walking that line, walking that line at this point pretty well of, of pushing and then pulling back and then pushing or, or even better, if you don't want me to come closer to you, I heard Dr. Peterson talk about this where he says, if you don't want to, if I don't, if you don't want me to come closer to you, if you want your space, if I was smart, if I wanted to encroach upon that space, I would move forward just an inch and then I would wait and I would move forward another inch and I would move forward another inch until you said something. And as soon as you said something, I'd stop. And I'd do nothing and I'd stand there. And then I would wait. And then I would move an inch forward. And then another inch. And then when you said something, I'd stop. And so on and so forth. Until I'm right exactly where you didn't want me to be, but you didn't say anything or you didn't stop me because I did it an inch at a time. It's the boiling frog theory, right? So the idea that they're, they're the, that line that they're walking is the line between totalitarianism being that next singular object by doing enough against the people that the, the 40 and the 30% that are not fighting back actively currently begin to fight back. So they're walking that line very well right now. And we see the boiling frog theory in play here. Oh, it's just masks. Oh, we're not going to do that vaccine passport stuff. That's a conspiracy theory, right? We're not going to lock you down for good. We're not going to forcefully mandate vaccinations or genetic therapy on you. 
until we do. We're not going to implement a social credit system, of course not, until we do, right? And so they're, they're, they're doing that perfectly and they're walking that line in a way that the, the psychology, the deep, complex psychology that they're using to manipulate you should offend you. It, it's literally just a massive gaslighting of the American people and of the world at this point. Right. It's it's unbelievable. And, and Carl Jung has called this out for a while now. Carl Jung being a famous psychologist who came up with like, I think it's the 16 personality traits um, that, that is very commonly accepted. And there's some really, you know, really great actual personality tests that you can take based on Carl Jung's theories of, of personality. Um, but Carl Jung is a world renowned psychologist, one of the, the greats right up there with Freud. Um, and he had this quote here. And I think it's interesting to see that this is a topic that's been talked about, something that's been noticed in the human psyche and, and like almost like a flaw in our genetic coding, right? Like a, just a little virus that can take over one piece of code at a time. Um, and so, you know, let's see what he had to say about that. So Carl Jung said, the gigantic catastrophes that threaten us today are not elemental happenings of a physical or biological order, but psychic events. To a quite terrifying degree, we are threatened by wars and revolutions, which are nothing other than psychic epidemics. Interesting that he chose that word specifically. At any moment, several million human beings may be smitten with a new madness, and then we shall have another world war or devastating revolution. Instead of being at the mercy of wild beasts, earthquakes, landslides, and inundations, modern man is battered by the elemental forces of his own psyche. So he's speaking on the idea that we are no longer as man fighting against the elements. We're no longer foraging for food because we're hungry, right? We walk to the Kroger. We walk to Winn-Dixie. We walk to, you know, wherever you are. <laughs> um, so, you know, he's talking about the, the differences in humanity today and, and the challenges that we face as a, as a human um, entity, right? And it's no longer that of the elements. It's no longer food. It's no longer shelter. It's no longer, you know, storms or um, wild beasts and animals and, and, you know, the wild hierarchy of beasts. No, it's not that. We, our enemy is ourself, right? We have how many nuclear bombs sitting around this place waiting for somebody to be unstable enough in a position of power to press a button and see if this whole thing ends with a bang, right? And, and now even worse than those, those things, the potential of those things happening, we're seeing the, the mass ability for our government to manipulate people into their own war. And, and, and I almost want to disagree with that last statement by Dr. Desmet, who says um, he believes that totalitarianism, and, and he may be correct, but I don't want him to be. You know, I don't want totalitarianism to be that thing that shakes people out of this mass hypnosis or this mass formation psychosis. I don't want that because that comes with a lot of bloodshed. If it's totalitarianism, that means we either have, there's a rev, a revolution is the only answer, right? And historically speaking for that totalitarianism to change, because once somebody gets power, they never want to relieve that power back to the people. 
So I hope it's not totalitarianism, right? And and I hope that we can find a way that this just simmers away into into the um, you know the history books. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. And and there's been some information that was released recently where Joe Biden actually came out with a um or a bill got passed for a three year plan by Joe Biden. Um, to come out with new testing facilities that would not even be done for three years. So now we know their idea is that this is going to be happening for a very, very long time, and we're not even halfway through it, according to that bill being passed, which is scary, right? But it does seem that, unfortunately, Dr. Desmet may be correct, that totalitarianism has to be that next thing. And it's going to be only when there is a misstep in the plan. Only when they turn that knob just up a little too high, right, uh, for that, bo that water to boil a little bit faster than they want it to for people to start to push back. So we'll see what happens. But I think it's a great explanation for how we got here. Um... Now, this is a little bit further explanation about mass psychosis. I just found this to be a, real, a pretty interesting little explainer. So we'll watch that. And then we will talk about the Salem witch trials. So we're going a little bit longer today, um, but I hope you're enjoying it. Um, reminder, before we jump into this, that you should go ahead, if you have not subscribed already, press that subscribe button. All right. Click that subscribe button right now. Right now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say thank you because I know you just did it if you hadn't already. You just pressed that subscribe button and I'm so thankful that you did. I appreciate you so much. Now, if you just did that, I want you to go also and check out our Substack, redpillrevolution.substack.com. Go ahead and subscribe there and you'll actually be able to see this video if you're not on YouTube. And if you aren't on YouTube when this is over, go to YouTube and subscribe there. Um, also we do accept donations. Um, I am so excited with where this is going and I'm so excited at the idea of being able to spend more of my time on this. Um, I have a family, I have a life, I have a career and I hope to surround my career and my life around this podcast and doing this with you guys, but I can only do that with your support. Um, and you can support me in a few different ways. Um, you can support me by going to that Substack and paying just the $7, a cup of coffee, um, and, you know, a cup of coffee at Starbucks, I guess. I'll, I'll self-admittedly, a cup of coffee at Starbucks is $7. Um, but that's all, you know, that supports me so I, I appreciate it so much because it tells me that what I'm doing is worth something tangible to you. It's not just that you want to click a button. And then again, if you are listening to this and you can't afford the $7, um, no problem at all completely understand that I've been there. Um, but if you can, and you do want to support me and you do want to see more videos coming out, more podcasts coming out, more time, effort, energy, um, going into this. And I put as much as I can right now with everything that's going on. Um, but if I can be freed up to do this more, I would love nothing more than to make this my full time career, um, is spitting truth all day, every day. <laughs> so either go to redpillrevolution.substack.com and sign up for the $7 it costs. Um, you can even pay more if you want to, and I would appreciate that too. Or you can go directly to um, givesendgo.com slash redpillrevolution and make a direct donation. Um, givesendgo.com slash redpillrevolution or go to our Instagram at redpillrevolt and go right to the link tree at the link in the bio, and you can actually donate right there, which I thought was pretty cool that link tree did that. Um, so 
thank you. Because I know you press the subscribe button. And I know if you got seven bucks, you're going to go sign up for that. So thank you so much. Um, moving on, let's go ahead and watch this video. Were killed, not for any crimes they committed, but because they became the scapegoats of societies gone mad. In some Swiss villages, writes Francis Hill, there were scarcely any women left alive after the frenzy had finally burned itself out. When a mass psychosis occurs, the results are devastating. Jung studied this phenomenon and wrote that the individuals who make up the infected society become morally and spiritually inferior. They sink unconsciously to an inferior intellectual level. They become more unreasonable, irresponsible, emotional, erratic, and unreliable. And worst of all, crimes the individual alone could never stand are freely committed by the group smitten by madness. What makes matters worse is that those suffering from a mass psychosis are unaware of what is occurring. For just as an individual gone mad cannot step out of his mind to observe the errors in his ways, so too there is no Archimedean point from which those living through a mass psychosis can observe their collective madness. But what causes a mass psychosis? To answer this question, we must first explore what drives an individual mad. So I think that's an interesting comparison. And if you know much about, if you go back to those times of the actual Salem witch trials, and you see all of the craziness and all of the crazy things that people were willing to do during these times, even their family, even their own friends, even their own wives, they would turn against them. Um, so, so if you don't know anything about the Salem Witch Trials, let's talk about that a little bit because I think it's an interesting case study that's not Nazi Germany. And I think Nazi Germany, you know, for how horrible and horrific all these events were, can muddy the point a little bit because people tend to attach a lot of emotions to that specific event and it seems still so close to us. So I think that the Salem Witch Trials and Witch Trials in general is an interesting case study into that. All right, so before we jump into the Salem Witch Trial information, there is one thing that I do want to share that's breaking information regarding the Ghislaine Maxwell case. Ghislaine Maxwell's lawyers have positioned themselves to ask for the entire trial to be thrown out and for her to get a not guilty verdict based on recent information that was just released about a half hour ago, um, based on the fact that one of the jurors, one of the men, I believe, that was a juror, spoke to a news station, spoke and said how he basically helped convince some of the jurors who were on the fence to convict her based on his past or information he knew about sexual trauma and uh, abuse. So what a horrible turn of events if that happens. Um, I hope it does not, and I hope the judge is smart enough to know that that is not grounds to throw everything away. Um, but <clears throat> information that I do want you guys to know is that that is a potential at this point. Um, we have not heard back from the judge at all yet, but we do know that her lawyers have uh, moved for the case to be thrown out at this point based on that. Now, it may be an empty attempt. Time will tell. Now, back to the information that we were talking about before is the Salem Witch Trials. So before we watch this video, the Salem Witch Trials, basically um, what, a little bit of information that most people don't know is that the Salem Witch Trials were basically started by two girls 
who had tainted bread by their help in their house to name this woman named Tutuba, who gave them this rye bread that had a layer of argot over it, um, which if you use argot or if you take argot in too much, um, it can cause hallucinations, body aches, tremors, um, <clears throat> you know, like almost epileptic fits and those types of things, which they believe was the actual reason that these women were, these children were thought to be um, under the spell of madness and darkness, um, which caused the entire turn of events which happened over time. So let's watch this short video, it's just a few minutes here, um, and then I will go into a little bit more detail about some of the power struggles that happened within the families during the Salem Witch Trials. Um, and what actually happened. So here's some information on that if you don't know it already. You've been accused of a crime you did not commit. It's impossible to prove your innocence. If you insist that you're innocent anyway, you'll likely be found guilty and executed. But if you confess, apologize, and implicate others for good measure, you'll go free. Do you give a false confession or risk a public hanging? This was the choice facing those accused of witchcraft in the village of Salem, Massachusetts between February 1692 and May 1693. They were the victims of paranoia about the supernatural, misdirected religious fervor, and a justice system that valued repentance over truth. Salem was settled in 1626 by Puritans a group of English Protestants. Life was strict and isolated for the people of Salem. Battles with their Native American neighbors and groups of French settlers were commonplace. People feared starvation and disease, and relations between villagers were strained. To make matters worse, 1692 brought one of the coldest winters on record. That winter, two cousins, nine-year-old Betty Paris and 11-year-old Abigail Williams, started behaving very strangely. A physician found nothing physically wrong, but diagnosed the girls as under an evil hand. Puritans believed that the devil wreaked havoc in the world through human agents, or witches, who blighted nature, conjured fiendish apparitions, and tormented children. As news swept through the village, the symptoms appeared to spread. Accounts describe 12 so-called afflicted girls contorting their bodies, having fits and complaining of prickling skin. Four of the girls soon accused three local women of tormenting them. All three of the accused were considered outsiders in some way. On February 29th, the authorities arrested Sarah Good, a poor pregnant mother of a young daughter, Sarah Osborne, who had long been absent from church and was suing the family of one of her accusers, and Tituba, an enslaved woman in Betty Paris's home known by her first name only. Tituba denied harming the girls at first, but then she confessed to practicing witchcraft on the devil's orders and charged Good and Osborne with having forced her. Osborne and Good both maintained their innocence Osborne died in prison, while Good's husband turned against her in court, testifying that she was a witch or would be one very quickly. Good's four-year-old daughter was imprisoned and eventually gave testimony against her mother. Meanwhile, Good gave birth in jail. Her baby died, and she was convicted and hanged shortly thereafter. 
Tichuba was held in custody until May and then released. These three victims were just the beginning. As accusations multiplied, others, like Tichuba, made false confession to save themselves. The authorities even reportedly told one accused witch that she would be hanged if she did not confess and freed if she did. They were not particularly interested in thoroughly investigating the charges. In keeping with their church's teachings, they preferred that the accused confessed, asked for forgiveness, and promised not to engage in more witchcraft. The court accepted all kinds of dubious evidence, including so-called spectral evidence, in which the girls began raving when supposedly touched by invisible ghosts. Complicating matters further, many of the jurors in the trials were relatives of the accusers, compromising their objectivity. Those who dared to speak out, such as Judge Nathaniel Saltonstall, came under suspicion. By the spring of 1693, over a hundred people had been imprisoned, and 14 women and six men had been executed. By this time, accusations were starting to spread beyond Salem to neighboring communities, and even the most powerful figures were targets. When his own wife was accused, the governor of Massachusetts Colony suspended the trials. Sentences were amended, prisoners released, and arrests stopped. Some have speculated that the girls were suffering from hallucinations caused by fungus, or a condition that caused swelling of the brain. But ultimately, the reason for their behavior is unknown. What we do know is that adults accepted wild accusations by children as hard evidence. Today, the Salem Witch Trials remain a cautionary tale of the dangers of groupthink and scapegoating and the power of fear to manipulate human perception. Weaponized accusations of witchcraft were around for millennia before reaching the village of Salem. So a really interesting case study on that groupthink and mass formation psychosis. And and it's it's easy to like look at these like witch trials and like kind of like distance yourself from them in time, but what happened to that woman with the last name Good is horrifying. Horrifying, horrifying. Her own husband turned against her in court. Her four-year-old daughter, her four-year-old daughter was sent to jail until she sat and implicated her own pregnant mother. And then the mother gave birth in jail to a child that did not live and then was hung. That literally sounds like the biggest hell I've ever heard of in my entire life. What a horrible tragedy for that woman, for that baby, for her four-year-old child. And the only person who deserved to go to hell was her husband who turned on her in court. So <clears throat> some of the stuff that she didn't, they, they didn't talk about in that little video was, the fa- was that, you know, they quickly referenced that fungus that I talked about, that argot or argot, argot, I think it's argot. Um, but uh, Argot, you know, with that rye bread caused a lot of those initial symptoms that caused the medical examiner originally to call it a dark hand over these children um, and not see it for what it was because technology and medical science wasn't where it is today, obviously, and they didn't know what was going on with these women. Um, <clears throat> but an interesting thing that she also didn't mention was the power struggles that happened within these families where these girls who were accusing these women and some men of being witches and wizards or warlocks or whatever, um, 
were being manipulated by people in positions of power who utilized this Trojan horse of the witch trials to basically take over the land of rival families. Um, so they would like basically, hey, hey, little Susie, John over there, he's or John's wife is a witch. And then the little one would say that she's a witch, accuse her. They would go to trial. And uh, then when she was hung, they would take her the family would in power would take her um, the, take their land. And so um, and another thing was that it was like also happened to a lot of like poor families, too, because they wouldn't nobody would speak up against them and that type of thing. Now, another thing that we saw there was how it basically if you said that, yes, I'm a witch, but I won't do that anymore because of their Puritan faith, they decided not to kill you. But if you said, I'm not a witch, I don't do magic, this has nothing to do with me, then you would be hung. So there was a lot of people who basically said they weren't witches, and then they were told to point out two other witches. So it was like a multi-level market of witchcraft and, uh, you know, um, senseless murder of these people. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> one thing it, you know, it touched on, too, is that this was the coldest winter, one of the coldest winters in history. And because of that, you know, that started those steps that we talked about, the steps being of mass formation psychosis of one being, you know, that disorientation, two being chaos and instability, three being a singular problem that would allow people to push off all of their problems and think that this issue is going to solve everything, right? Because I'm sure with this winter, a lot of their crops were dying, a lot of their, you know, um, their animals were dying. Um, a lot of things were happening around this town because it was a terrible time to, you know, um, to uh, possibly be alive during this winter time frame in Salem. And so they were finding a singular, singular problem to go after. And that singular problem was witchcraft because the devil must be the reason that our crops are all dying. And that was a big piece of this. Then you know, the, the idea was that if we hang all the witches, then the devil and these witches will go away and we won't have these problems anymore. Um, until, you know, people come in to start to learn how to profit off of these problems. You know, in walks, uh, you know, Dane Francis, the, uh, or Francis Dane, the governor of Massachusetts, until his own wife gets uh, pointed out as a witch, in which case he goes, all right, we're done doing this. And that is the only reason the Salem witch trials stopped was because for, uh, Francis Dane's own wife got a, a, a accused of being a witch and then it all ended basically. Crazy. But there was people who tried to profit off of this by going after other rivalry families um, and people who are trying to profit off of this today in walks Pfizer, in walks Moderna, and in walks Johnson & Johnson. And on that note, guys, we are going to wrap it up here. Um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got something from this podcast today. Um, go ahead and tap that subscribe button. I know you already did it earlier, but do it again. If you didn't don't unsubscribe, but just press it once. If it's your first time, just, just tap that button for me. Then also go check out YouTube. If you're not, if you're watching this on just the podcast on Apple podcasts, go ahead and give a five-star review, check out the YouTube channel. We, we're not getting as much video traffic on the YouTube. Go check out the YouTube channel too. There's a lot going on there. So, um, you can actually see the video. You can see me talking. You can see my beautiful, beautiful face. <laughs> um, 
And uh, the last thing, um, you know, if you can go ahead and head over to the Substack, redpillrevolution.substack.com. It's $7 for the paid one, which you will get the long form writing that I do every week on our topics. And if you just do it for free, you'll get the podcast companion and a portion of that um, long form writing. So um, go check it out. If you can afford that $7, it would mean so much to me. Um, if you can't, I get it. But if you can afford more than that too, you can donate at givesengo.redpillrevolution.com. Would appreciate it. There's some upgrades I'd love to do now that we actually have some people following this journey um, to the actual podcast itself, including the lighting and this microphone and a few other things that I think would be better for you guys, the audience. Um, and I can only do that with your help. So please go ahead, check that out as well. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have a great week. Um, keep up the good fight and welcome to the revolution. Thank you so much.